listening to From the Friars podcast, the community of Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, headquartered in the Bronx, New York City. My friends, this is Easter. This is the greatest of all the days. This is the greatest of all the days. If there's any day when we should speak in superlatives, it's this day. How do we say it? We say something is good or something else is gooder and something else is goodest, right? You know, the superlative, better, best, wonderful or most wonderful, right? The, the English language. In the Hebrew language, they didn't have the grammar to say that. So if they wanted to express something as being the best, they would say it three times. So for example, when we pray, holy, 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 it's saying that God is the holiest, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one God, the holiest. So of all days, this is the day, all the feast days, all the things that happen in the year today is the biggest, the best, the most wonderful. I don't know else how to say it. <laughs> and so to be honest, when you're a preacher, there's a little bit of some pressure because of how wonderful Easter is. Really, this, the homily today should be the best homily you have. Oh, boy. <laughs> so praise God. huh? Here we are. Here we are. This is such a wonderful day. And we thank God for his victory over death, his victory over sin, which is the cause of death, and his victory over the devil who inspires sin. The victory of Jesus over all this. This is what we celebrate today. Praise God. So I have a question I'd like to ask you. It's a rhetorical question. I'm going to say a couple of sentences, and when I say them, I want you to, to think about what comes to your mind, okay? So a little experiment here. Are you ready? Once upon a time, in a land far, far away. Okay, that was it. So what do you think of when you hear those words? Fairy tale, right? That's in English, that's how we start a fairy tale. There's a damsel in distress. She's got very long hair. Rapunzel, lay down your long hair. And there's a knight in shining armor who must come to her rescue in the castle. Okay. Once upon a time in a land far, far away. That's the language of introducing a story that's a fairy tale. In the words of Mr. Rogers, it's the land of make believe. Remember that? So this is something that's not true, it's not historical, it's a fable, it's a fairy tale, it's a beautiful little story we often tell children, and so often these stories are, are, are beloved, and there's a moral to the story, there's a lesson in there. In a land far, far away, it expresses this is not real, this did not happen here, it's some mythical, mystical, spiritual other place where there's dragons and etc. So my friends... I introduce that to you because today, this is not what we're talking about. The death and resurrection of Jesus is not a fairy tale. It's not a fable. It's not some magical story of a land far, far away. This is something that really happened. It's history. It's the realest thing that's ever happened on this planet. When God himself came and took our humanity and he offered himself in sacrifice on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. He died, he was buried, and on the third day, he did something that no one has ever done. He rose from the dead, victorious. Not symbolic, not a figurative story, not a fairy tale, not a fable. This is real. This really happened. And this is why we 
St. Paul would say, if Jesus is raised from the dead, we can have hope. We have hope. Our hope is based off of something real. Our faith, what we believe, is based off of something real, something that is true, something that actually happened. Praise God. Praise God. It's so wonderful. And I'll share with you, over the season of Lent, I was begging the Holy Spirit to lead me. What do I do for Lent? As the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert for 40 days. And so over this period of Lent, I was being led to pray about everything that happened to Jesus, especially his wounds. But not only to think about what happened to him, those details, but even more than that, to think about what does it mean? What does it mean? And so out of that prayer came this exhibit that we have. There's the little room, there's the nails, there's the crown of thorns, there's the whip, the scourge, the lance that pierced his heart. But not just that, but a prayer that goes to the interior. Like, what does this mean? What, what does it mean for me? And um, that prayer has kept going all the way till today. So I'm asking the question of the Lord. So the resurrection, okay, I get it. It really happened. But what does that mean? You know, was it just something like any other thing from history? It's an event that happened in the past, but you know, it's 2023 now. Like, what does this have to do with us? And so in my prayer, there were two ideas, two ideas. So first of all, a little bit of philosophy from one of my favorite middle, middle ages writers, uh, a philosopher named St. Anselm. And St. Anselm is known for something called the ontological argument for God. I'm going to break that down. Basically, what he said was, try to imagine, try to think about the greatest thing you could possibly think about. That's what we mean by God. That's what we mean by God. The, the thing by which nothing greater could be thought of or conceived, the idea, the greatest thing possible. This is his argument, and I want to apply that to the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus, what he did, not just coming back to life, we call that resuscitation. Somehow he died, he went through death and came out on the other side. The risen Jesus, it's the same Jesus, but he's glorified, he's divinized. There's something different about him. His body still has the wounds, but now he is glorified. That's the word the Bible uses. He's glorified. And the resurrection of Jesus is the greatest possible thing that could ever happen. That's a bold claim, but that's what we believe. For all the things we could imagine, use the gift of your imagination, try to be creative, try to come up with a, a thing that would be better than that, you can't. It is the greatest thing, the best possible thing. Again, we're back to that superlative. So what do I mean by that? Number one, as I was praying about what does this resurrection, what does it mean for us? The first thing I thought of was, this is going to be a little bit, um, I'm being vulnerable with you, my greatest fear, the, the thing that I am the most afraid of, and that is death. Death. Not only am I afraid of death, because I know it's coming, but I'm afraid, what if death is the end? What if when you die, you cease to exist? In which case, this life has no meaning, no value. It doesn't matter if you try to be good. It doesn't matter if you try to be bad. The whole thing is empty and valueless because the moment you die, you disappear. You cease to exist. 
Or maybe even worse than that, what if there's a place waiting for us that is a place of suffering, a place of misery and pain, a place which the Bible calls hell? And so there is a little piece of that, which is like, if I dig really deep down into my own heart, I have to admit, like, yeah, I'm kind of afraid of this topic. And I, in, in all the conversations I've had with so many people as a priest, I think it's there for all of us, huh? It's there. And so, my friends, to this greatest possible fear that we could have, God's answer is the resurrection of Jesus. What happened to him, what it means for us is we don't have to be afraid of death. Somebody did it and came back to tell us it's going to be okay. And he died on the cross for our sins so we could be forgiven. The, the offer of mercy and forgiveness is there. If only we would be humble enough to repent and receive what Jesus offers us. We don't have to be afraid of disappearing. We don't have to be afraid of going to a place of suffering and misery because of the love of God in Jesus, the resurrection. This is what it means for us. That's why we must celebrate. Even if we're in a bad mood today, we must celebrate. We must be filled with gratitude that the greatest possible fear that we could ever have no longer has any power. That's St. Paul. Oh, death, where is your sting? You almost get the impression St. Paul is saying, na, 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 na. <laughs> Jesus is victorious. He says, I've gone to prepare a place for you. In my father's house, there are many mansions that where I am, you also may be. That really changes everything, that our lives do have meaning and value, that we, there is value in struggling against sin and trying to be good, trying to cooperate with God's grace, trying to be an instrument of his peace in this world. That's our call, and it's worth it because of the resurrection of Jesus. Whew. Number two, the second thing. So I was praying about what does all this mean? I was thinking about the number one thing I really, really want, my greatest desire. Imagine you're walking along the beach, you know, down the shore, as we say in New Jersey. You see an old lamp. It's all tarnished. You pick it up and you rub the lamp to, you know, to polish it. And a genie pops out of the lamp. And he says to you, Thank you for freeing me from the lamp. I will grant you one wish. And it can't be more wishes. Okay. What would you wish for? What would be the number one greatest desire that is in your heart? Say, more than anything, this is the one thing I really want to happen. What would it be? For me... I really want to see my loved ones who've passed away. I'd miss them. When I was younger, my mom passed away, and my, my beloved grandparents, so many great memories, I miss them. There is a wound that has not healed, and I don't think it's supposed to heal because we're not made for goodbyes. In heaven, there's no goodbyes. My number one wish, my deepest desire, the thing that I would really want to happen above everything is I wish I could see them again. Wish I could be with them again and never to leave. That's what I really want more than anything. And my friends, the resurrection of Jesus guarantees that this is what's going to happen. 
When we die, we come before him, we see God face to face. Not only do we have the chance now to finally see God and be with God, we also get to be with all our loved ones. They're waiting for us. They're still alive. They're probably more alive than we are. There is life after death. Maybe there's a better way to say it, life after life. And we get to be with them forever. We get to be together with God in this place of joy and peace and happiness, a place of healing, a place where there's no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more suffering, no more evil, nothing to fear, but the fullness of God's presence, to be in love with God and to be in love with one another. Yeah, I really want that. I really, really want that. That's the thing I want more than anything, and that's the thing that the resurrection of Jesus gives us. My friends, this is our hope. This is our hope. This is the firm ground we stand upon. Like the rock of that tomb, we stand upon that in hope. We have faith. We believe. We believe. We have joy. We, we have peace because of what God has done, because of what he's revealed, and the whole thing hinges on the resurrection of Jesus. I'll leave you with a prayer image. Um, one day, I was saying mass in a private chapel, and as I'm looking down at the little altar, in the chalice filled with wine, there was a crucifix above me, and the image of that cross was reflecting in the fluid of the wine. And then when I looked over to the paten in the host, I noticed in a very strange sense of irony the, the communion bread, the host, is in the shape of that stone door, that round door that sealed the tomb. Then we go to mass, when we pray, when we worship, when we come forward to receive Jesus in Holy Communion, Jesus who is truly present there, body, blood, soul, and divinity, we are put in communion with the death and resurrection of the Lord. You receive that host, it's like a little miniature replica of that door that is forever broken and unsealed, that tomb that is empty, and that door which was a sign of the finality of death has been blown open, and Jesus comes to us like that, that round little host. It's like where the early church fathers said when you receive communion, it's like you're, you're, you're eating the medicine of immortality. What Jesus said in John chapter 6 if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not die, and I will raise you on the last day. We, we receive him. We receive his crucified and risen body, his glorified body. That's why it looks and tastes like bread and wine, but it's not. It's really Jesus. He comes to under this appearance, under this image, to nourish us, to strengthen us, to feed us as we make our way through this desert. And so we give him thanks. My friends, let us make good use of the time that's given us to live lives of love, to be reflections of God's goodness and love in this world, to be a light in the darkness, to um, witness to our faith, to those of our friends and family who so desperately need to hear it this day. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Alleluia. Amen. been listening to from the friars podcast the community of franciscan friars the renewal please visit us at franciscanfriars.com or on social media cfr underscore franciscans mm-hmm.